What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Russell Starr is the chairman and CEO of DeFi Technologies. In this conversation, we talk about DeFi, about regulation, about the European crypto market, institutional investors, and why this company is so focused at the intersection of public markets and crypto. I really enjoyed this conversation with Russell, and I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I first want to talk about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by OKCoin. They are my favorite place to buy, trade, and stake crypto. They're the fastest-growing U.S.-based exchange, serving over 190 countries globally with the easy onboarding and low fees. If you haven't tried them out yet, you should. They're on a mission to make learning about and buying crypto easier than ever, and they're all about bringing more financial literacy to everyone, something we can always use more of. From being the only exchange to integrate Lightning to contributing over $1 million for Bitcoin core developers, they're doing incredible work to further the Bitcoin ecosystem, and they offer lots of other vetted utility assets from gaming to DeFi. With OKCoin, I feel confident that the future really will be OK. To get started, go to OKCoin.com POMP for some free Bitcoin when you sign up. Again, if you want free Bitcoin, go to OKCoin.com POMP today. Today's episode is brought to you by Fundrise. You all know I believe that the best investors both understand and seek out extreme asymmetry. Fundrise is here to help you do just that. It's the largest direct-to-investor real estate investment platform out there, giving you the opportunity to achieve upside of an asset class previously reserved for institutions and high net worth individuals. That's right. Fundrise is making high-end private market real estate investing accessible to everyone via an easy-to-use automated platform. Its 1 million users already know that the investment with Fundrise is capable of producing strong appreciation returns and income generation while helping to stabilize a diversified portfolio. That's more important now than ever in our inflationary environment. See for yourself how over 190,000 other investors have built a better portfolio with private real estate. It takes just a few minutes to get started with as little as $10. Go to fundrise.com slash pomp today. And for a limited time, you'll get $10 when you place your first investment. Again, that's fundrise.com slash pomp. Go check it out. And when you make your first investment, they'll give you $10 on top of it. Fundrise.com slash pomp. Today's episode is brought to you by Pipe. Crypto is all about giving the power back to the people, and our sponsor, Pipe, is doing that in a big way. Pipe is the world's first trading platform that allows you to trade recurring revenue streams for upfront capital. And with Pipe's new API, companies with recurring revenue can build seamless embedded financing options into their platforms. One of the most interesting uses for Pipe's new API right now is Compass Mining's Mine Now, Pay Later, which powers payment plans on Bitcoin mining hardware so more miners can start or scale with a smaller upfront investment. Whether you're looking for mining hardware or scaling any business with recurring revenue, check out Pipe to access growth capital with no loans, no dilution, no restrictive covenants or warrants, just growth on your terms. And right now, Pomp Podcast listeners can access tens of thousands of dollars, even millions, fee-free for 12 months. Whether you are a Bitcoin mining company looking to enable financing for your customers or a SaaS, DTC, or any business that has recurring revenue, sign up at pipe.com slash pomp. Again, pipe.com slash pomp to start trading today. All right, let's get in this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. 
You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guest as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, we've got Russell joining us from DeFi Technologies. Uh, Russell, how, uh, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you guys? Let's start with, uh, with kind of your understanding of uh, the current economic environment. It feels like... Things got uh, super, super overheated. Inflation, 8.5% officially in the United States. Uh, many yeah. other places around the world, high inflation. Uh, they started to raise interest rates. There's been compression of tech multiples and a bunch of other kind of ramifications of that. Uh, but we've also seen commodity prices explode based on uh, yeah. Russia, Ukraine, supply chain disruptions, et cetera. Like, what's your general read as to where we are right now? Oh, man. Uh Love this topic. Uh, honestly, inflation is probably closer to 20% in the U.S. Um, the, kind of the biggest joke. And when you talk about free speech and and what's going on, the Fed is probably the biggest arbiter of of, of unfree speech that I've ever seen. Um, you know, they've taken housing prices out of inflation. They've taken energy out of inflation. And if you were to look back at the way they measured inflation in kind of 1985, 1995, you'd be closer to 20%. Um, and it shouldn't really come as a surprise to anyone when you're literally printing money like it's going out of style. The one thing that just continues to perplex me, and I'd love your guys' opinion on this, why is it that they view Bitcoin as a tech stock or a tech play? Why is it trading with the NASDAQ and not uh, arguably exploding uh, when in reality, you know, every single American, every single U.S. citizen should be more worried about the fact that Next year, every dollar they earned is going to be worth 20% less than it was today. And, and you could actually apply that across Web 3.0. Um, and and it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's one of the biggest hoaxes. Back to your commentary on, on what's going on with Twitter. Um, I'd love to see you know, some more people coming out and, and basically just calling a spade a spade and saying, look, this is black and white. You print trillions of dollars. The definition of inflation is printing money, and, and the U.S. has done it uh, uh, better, if you consider destroying the value of the U.S. dollar, better than any other country in the world, it seems, right now. Yeah, it is uh, It is pretty crazy. Uh, the CDC changed the definition of vaccine on their website. Uh, <laughs> and so ultimately, I think that everything's up for free game now, right? Like, what is inflation? Yep. Is it printing money? Is it something else? Like, all of these definitions now, I think they're all aware that they can change this stuff, and, and they are willing to change it based on, uh, on the environment. One other thing uh, on this topic that I think is interesting is what's your view on the Federal Reserve potentially increasing uh, their inflation target? So historically, it's been two percent do you think there's a world where they could increase it from two to three percent or, or or you know again kind of i don't want to say manipulate because it has kind of a negative connotation but they basically just throw their hands up and say look we can no longer that low two percent we now have to increase it to three percent or something like that yeah no well well look the reality is they're the most powerful financial institution in the world right and 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 when you can change a narrative at will and and change a mathematical formula that's been in existence for you know decades at will um, I think they actually just changed how they calculate inflation again in February to even minimize it. Um, you know, it, 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 they've effectively boxed themselves into a corner. So you're gonna you're gonna see the Fed probably do exactly what you just said, increase that target, and then and then create an entire narrative that will try to convince citizens in the U.S. that this is actually a good thing for them. 
Um, and then the other thing I think they're gonna they're they're gonna do. Um, I, I mean, look, the math is there. They're the single biggest debtor um, and probably stand to lose the most with higher interest rates. But the question I always ask myself is, if you're going to raise interest rates, you're going to slow down the economy. The economy kind of looks like it's already in a recession in the U.S., despite you know what they try to suggest otherwise. Um, you put yourself into a really complicated corner where you know you've got you've got a regulatory environment that's trying to hinder the adoption of, of kind of the coolest new ecosystem, maybe the most valuable new ecosystem the world's ever seen outside of, out of the internet with Web 3.0, um, which could be a solution for the US to actually get themselves out of the, the sort of the, the box that the Fed has put themselves in. Because as they raise those interest rates, um, it's going to be harder to buy a house. Uh, everything's going to become uh, more expensive. Um, so you're going to see the economy slow down and it's already an economy that's struggling, in my opinion. Um, and it's an educated opinion. I, I've, I've, ironically, I went to the same university as Elon, although he, he was only there for two years and, and, and went on to bigger and better things, of course. Uh, but yeah, no, they'll, they'll change that, that band. Um, they'll try to convince us that it's a good thing. Um, and then they'll, they'll increase interest rates until they probably destroy um, the U.S. consumer. And then I think you're probably into another um, decade or, or multi-decade period of, again, loose interest rates where they just try to inflate themselves out of this, um, this debt cycle that they've created. Yeah, it's super interesting. Um, obviously, I'm a shareholder in uh, DeFi Technologies through uh, a little advising uh, that I've been doing yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on, on some deal, uh, deal flow stuff. But I, I, I understand this because you guys have educated me on it. But I think that it'd be helpful for the audience if you could explain. You guys recently went through uh, an uplisting uh, yeah, to yeah, yeah. Uh, OTC, uh, was it QB, right? I think it is uh, yep. uh, the way to yep. describe it. Explain how this stuff works. Right. So sure. like m most people, including myself, they don't play on the public markets that much. And so they have no clue yep. how moving between stock exchanges works, et cetera. Like how does an uplisting work and why is that important or why do people <laughs> seek to do this? Well, look, and I, you and I have had this conversation before. And, and in, in my opinion, unless we can get more people exposure to Web 3.0, um, on traditional equity markets, it's going to be really, really tough to grow this industry because so many people just are are terrified of opening an account on on Frax, Kraken, or any of the other alt exchanges. And then, of course, you look at at institutions who would typically invest in this space. Unless you're private equity or a hedge fund, you're locked into only investing on traditional equity markets. So. Originally in the U.S., we were stuck on what's called the pink sheets, which most people in the U.S. can't invest in. Um, uh, you'd be guys, you guys would be surprised at the restrictions that banks in the U.S. Um, force retail and institutional um, clients into. So I, I like literally every day, every week, I field hundreds of calls from U.S. Um, citizens who have seen shows like yours, um, seen some of my podcasts, whatever, saying. Look, man, we want to buy your stock, but we're not allowed to because you're on the pink sheets. And so we graduated. It took, honestly, it took six, seven months because crypto is now a bad word in the US. DeFi is an even worse word in, in the US. Um, and so we went through, um, I call it, a, I mean, I, I listen to you guys swear, so I'll call it what I call it. it. It was a forensic colonoscopy. It was one of the worst experiences of, of my life, just trying to get onto a better exchange, uh, which is the QB. 
so that more people in the US would be allowed to get exposure to our stock. Because we're one of the only, in fact, we're the only publicly listed company that gives you a diversified exposure to Web 3.0. You know, you can go to Hut or Hive or Marathon and get exposure to Bitcoin or Ethereum, but there's very, very few public companies that give you exposure to Solana, um, Terra Luna, Avalanche, um, Polkadot, and that's what we do. Uh, so getting on that better exchange, and just to answer your question more directly, Anthony, um, the pink sheets are are honestly viewed as just, you know, a mugs game. Uh, everybody's messing around with it. It's just, it's an exchange that no one really is permitted in the US to, to, to participate in. You then go to the QB, which is what we've done. Um, and we have what's called DTC settlement, which means you can settle in US dollars rather than having to convert Canadian and US all the time. And then there's one step higher before you go to the NASDAQ called the QX, which we'll endeavor to do as quickly as possible. But you know, if you're if you if you just go back and look at our filings, you'll see that we actually got approved to be listed on the Nasdaq, um, and we got DTC. And then last minute, out of the blue, the SEC intervened and stopped us from uplisting onto the Nasdaq. Um, and it's and it's purely because um, our, the name of our company is DeFi because everything else we do is you know cleared by a prospectus we you know everybody's kyc it's everything that the us is trying to to get this industry to move towards we kind of do already uh but when you're stuck on these lower exchanges you're you're prohibiting more people from being able to participate and buy that equity i hope that answers the question that that makes a ton of sense and so when we then start to think about you guys uplisting you obviously get access to capital markets all of that you started yeah. to take uh some stakes in some interesting businesses one of them is this uh uh swiss digital asset bank known as yeah. seba 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 yeah, yeah. What, what is going on there why are you guys doing this so look the i mean you guys are all believers we're we're, we're talking to the converted here but a lot of people i'm not sure have gone completely towards what what you and I and and everyone who who uh, who, who participates in this space thinks it's going to be. It's it's the future and the evolution of kind of tech and and capital markets combined. But I think it's going to revolutionize the way that banking is done for all of us globally. Um, there's a bank in Switzerland, Siba Bank, um, unknown, underappreciated. You know, think Silvergate, which might be a name more familiar to you guys, or Anchorage Bank, which you would have seen KKR um, just do a lead investment in uh, maybe four or five months ago. We let a consortium an investment, uh, a consortium of investors into uh, a large round into Siba Bank, and it's one of two licensed FINMA, FINMA permitted, which is basically the SEC of Europe. Um, banks uh, that, that's pursuing an entirely digital strategy. So, so we own 6% of it. Um, a guy that you guys are probably all familiar with, Anthony, I know you are, Ollie, Olivier Roussy-Newton is going to take a, take a seat on their board um, or already has. And so we actually have this uh, large investment in them. Um, it's, it's already come close to doubling in value. Um, it's crazy what the capital markets are doing right now. You're actually seeing private companies trade at higher valuations than public companies, which is, is kind of backwards. Usually a public company trades at a higher valuation than a private, but we just, we had an opportunity to invest along the likes of Alameda, Ordway, uh, basically the who's who of sort of Europe, Asia, and, and Middle East into this underappreciated, underloved uh, 
uh, private crypto Swiss bank. And if you think of banking globally, you know, most people would look at the U.S. as sort of the, the leader in banking or traditional banking. Um, Swiss and the, and, and the Swiss private banks are, are probably a close second, but these, this particular bank is pursuing an entirely crypto strategy. So uh, Web 3.0, custody, um, staking, you name it, and uh, their assets are ballooning. Um, and it just made a ton of sense for a company like us. Um, you know, we have our VC portfolio and we do make these, these alt investments. When we had a chance to actually take a stake in it, 6% of, a, of what's probably going to be a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar enterprise is, is never a bad thing. So, so that's what we did. That's why we did it. And uh, it gives us an edge that no one else has. Um, look at any company on any exchange. Um, I don't think there's anyone that's doing what we're doing and, and, and has a stake like that in a, in a private Swiss crypto bank. Makes sense. And then uh, a huge part of your business is ETPs. Uh, yeah. Describe the difference between an ETP and an ETF uh, for everyone. Yeah. And then why are you guys so focused on this ETP business? So in Europe, um, ETFs are prohibited from having any more than 5% of any one product. So that's that's the difference, right? So you, you can't you can't really have an ETF for any one single asset product. So when we launched our Bitcoin Zero, our Ethereum Zero, and just so everybody understands what's that, what that means, we have a, a, a listed traditional equity. I guess you guys could think like Grayscale or some of these, these other companies, but our product tracks Bitcoin perfectly. There's no variability and we charge no management fee. And what we do is we list other ETPs, uh, basically, and, and I know for the purist in the crypto space, decentralization is everything. But if you want to get, you know, your mom, your dad, your, your kids or, or, or people who are just terrified of getting on these alt exchanges into this industry, the way you're going to do it is by creating these ETPs. And so um, we've got a Solana one, Polkadot, Cardano, um, Terra Avalanche, um, and we're planning on listing another 20. Plus, we have our Bitcoin and our Ethereum as well. And it's basically just a way of, of giving people access to any of these protocols that you can think or want to own uh, without having to go through, you know, a Coinbase or a, a Kraken or a Frax or anything like that. So it's, it's basically traditional equity market exposure to Web 3.0, which no one else is doing, but then also married with, you know, some other really cool stuff. Like we've co-invested with you in Sovereign, we co-invested with you in Wilder World, which have been, you know, hugely successful and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's Europe is so much more friendly towards Web 3.0 versus what's going on in the U.S. that, you know, everybody always asks us, when are you going to come to the U.S.? And my answer is really, really simple. Write your congressperson, write your governor, write, you know, the president, write whomever. This is an industry that's not going to go away. And for whatever reason, I think it has mostly to do with the fact that the U.S. dollar is kind of under siege from various different ways. China, Russia, uh, and crypto, uh, Bitcoin in particular. And I think that's part of the reason why you haven't seen a Bitcoin ETF as well. Um, and instead of embracing the technological future and Web 3.0 and what it can do and bring to everyday citizen, it's, it's become kind of a hurdle to get involved in it if you're, if you're doing anything in the US. So Europe, ETPs, and the one exception to that, Anthony, is in Switzerland, you can actually do ETFs. So we're working on some pretty cool stuff with SIBA in Switzerland. Makes sense. Joe, John, what questions you guys got? 
Yeah, my question would just be around uh, the current state of Bitcoin and crypto markets in general, right? I think people yeah. are, are looking at Bitcoin specifically and seeing the stalemate where it's been trading in this range for, for a longer period of time. And there's some uncertainty around the global economy and what's happening overseas and stuff like that. So just yep. talk me through kind of how you think about this on a more broader level. Yeah, look, it's, again, back to what you guys were discussing with, with Elon and owning Twitter I think I read a stat not too long ago that there's six or nine families that basically control every single media outlet globally in the world. Like it, it's, it's, it's actually that um, controlled now. Um, and, and similarly, that's what's I think happening with Bitcoin because you're seeing Bitcoin trade almost, you know, perfectly, I wouldn't say perfectly correlated, but pretty much correlated to the NASDAQ and tech stocks. But it's not a tech stock. It's a store of value. It's an alternative to destruction of fiat currencies. And the one thing that, that sort of made, like is the aha moment, and I don't know what you guys think about it, but think through why on earth they would allow a Bitcoin futures ETF and not a Bitcoin spot ETF. And the, the answer is actually pretty self-evident to me. You get a Bitcoin spot ETF and Bitcoin's going to 100,000, 200,000, 500,000. You'll see, you'll see institutions, retail, you'll see everyone jump into that. Um, and so this is, this is a situation that's, you know, I think far more politically motivated than it is actually, um, you know, fear, greed, or, or any of those other things. This has to do with, um, you know, the Petro One and, and how you can now settle oil in gold or renminbi. It has to do with what Russia is trying to do. And the one time you actually saw Bitcoin de decouple a bit was, was on the invasion of Ukraine, which, you know, I'll call it, it's, you know, disgusting. I can't even believe that, that, that the world, the global, global world is allowing this to happen. It, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I thought we were evolved enough that we'd never ever see wars again. Uh, but it seems like Russia's taking a different perspective on that. But that being said, it's, it's the narrative. And I think people need to start uh, looking past, um, you know, analysts, they need to start looking past uh, social media, and they have to start looking at at the the destruction of what's going on in the U.S. dollar. And you know, we remarked on this earlier in the show. If every dollar you make in the U.S. next year is worth twenty percent less, and I'm not making this up, just there's an amazing website. You guys should have it all the time. It's called Shadow Stats, and and it's a guy who literally just said, "I'm going to just keep measuring all this economic data the way they used to do it, instead of measuring it the way they're doing it now." Um, and you'll see that inflation's up at 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 percent. Um, that's the erosion and the destruction of, of, of your dollar that you earn every day. So you're actually making 20 percent less every year than you would have normally. And you're probably not getting a pay raise. How do you how do you actually protect yourself from that? You buy commodities because that's one of the single best ways to protect yourself from inflation. And you've seen, you know, oil go through the roof. And, and again, part and parcel you know, supply chains, part and parcel Ukraine. But a lot of this was really, really obvious to people like me with economic background, um, economics backgrounds, because you just can't print money and do that. And, and what I keep on saying to people anytime, anywhere I go, I was actually just in Phoenix at sort of a little political um, event. And, and I said, look, everybody needs to start looking at what's going on and realizing that that one of the best ways to protect yourself from what the U.S. government is doing, and in particular the Fed, is to buy crypto, buy Web 3.0. I mean, it's it's uh, I, I mean, this is maybe a being a little bit flippant, but 
you know, if, if someone said to me, I, you know, 1994, here's 50 grand, what would you put your money in? I, it, 10 times out of 10, I would put my money into Amazon in 1994. And, and here we have a sector that's growing two times faster than the internet um, that, that's structurally hard to invest in because of a political event and, and basically a narrative um, that I think you guys are doing a phenomenal job helping people understand. Joey, I hope that, I, that was long-winded, but I hope that helped. <laughs> that was perfect. That was perfect. I want to talk on one thing that you mentioned there was you said when a spot ETF is approved, you see Bitcoin 100K. I know our audience loves to hear that. What do you think yeah. the re regulatory framework is about getting to that spot ETF in America? Oh, man. Um, look, having gone through what we've gone through to just get an upgraded listing to the OTCQB and now also working through the hurdles to get um, listed on the NASDAQ. I, I think what we need is everyone to write their, their congressperson, their attorney general, whomever it is, or even just phone and, and just say, look, man, I want exposure to this. This is something that's going to be good for all of us. Um, and, and, and truthfully, I believe it is. Um, innovation is always good for, for everyone. It's just we're sitting in an environment right now where I think the bigger issues at play are political rather than what you and I are talking about. Um, and that would be start number one. Um, I also think, and, and look, I'll just call it as it is, that, you know, there are ways um, and opportunities to get a spot ETF created outside of the US. And that's something that we're looking at really, really aggressively because you know, if, if for whatever reason, from a regulatory perspective, it's going to continue to be a hindrance. Um, and, and I'll tell you look, something for you guys to think about. The minute the spot futures ETF was created, I said Bitcoin is no longer going higher. That, uh, a futures ETF is the easiest way for leverage to be created to actually suppress price increases. Um, and, and they did it to the gold market. They did it to the silver market. It, 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 you know, people will call me a conspiracy theorist, but it's, but it's more fact than fiction. Um, and the Bitcoin ETF will, will actually flip that around. And the beauty of the new world and Web 3.0 is it doesn't matter where it is. If it's in Australia, if it's in Switzerland, if it's in, um, you know, pick, pick a jurisdiction, as long as people have a, an online trading account, they can get access to it. And so... Um, it may be competition. It may be that it's created somewhere else. I, I think you guys all saw that Grayscale is actually trying to get approval to, to turn themselves into an ETF. I don't think that's going to happen because you've seen, you know, Kathy Wood get shot down. You've seen Fidelity get shot down. These are household names that are, that are trying to do the right thing. Um, so, so maybe, just maybe, it's going to be it being created outside of the U.S. to force the U.S. to recognize the value add of just allowing this incredible new ecosystem to grow and thrive in the U.S. Um, and allowing everyone to get exposure to it. Yeah, Makes it's sense. super fascinating. Uh, we, we've got to go, but uh, I'll give you kind of the last word. If you look out through the rest of this year, what's the one thing that uh, you're most looking forward to or most excited about, whether it's for uh, your business or for the market? Can I say being on your show one more time? <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> like, I, that's a very kidding. good answer. That, that, that is the answer of an expert right there, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, look, I, 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 think, I think we're going to be in for some pain here for the next three to five months because you know, the Fed is really jawboning um, the long end of the fixed income curve higher. But the reality is, if, if you guys do the math and just think through nominal and real rates, 
the real rates are, are extremely negative. Fixed income is a waste of time. And so what I'm really, really looking forward to is, is sort of that institutional and retail evolution um, of, of moving into this space. And, and I, I, I've got to tweak this conversation and, and you know, pitch DeFi. We are literally the only company right now publicly that's actually doing this, giving people exposure on listed exchanges to Web 3.0. So leave it with that. I love it, man. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll definitely do it again in the future. You got it. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great day. All right, later, buddy. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed this one. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. And if you're looking to try to transition to get a new job in the Bitcoin or crypto industry, we've got you covered. Head over to pompscryptocourse.com. We've developed a curriculum with the top teams across the industry. It's a three-week intensive training program with over 50 events packed into that three-week time period. Go to pompscryptocourse.com to learn more, and I'll meet you guys for the next episode.